This episode of the Morning Skate is brought to you by Laga Sports. Laga Sports specializes in making 100% custom, fully sublimated uniforms and apparel for a variety of sports, but they're known for the premium quality and creativity of hockey jerseys. They have a one-price, any-design policy. It doesn't matter if you're looking for a simple NHL style or if you're wanting to create jerseys that look like Rebel Fighters from Star Wars. The price will always be the same, and the design of possibilities are endless. Check them out at lagasports.com. That is lagasports.com. L-A-G-A-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. Own your look, own the game. You'll lose 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! All right, guys, welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast with arguably one of our biggest guests we've ever had. Uh, four-time Stanley Cup champ, 97-98, 2002-2008. SB Award winner for NHL Play of the Year. This guy even drove the pace car for the Firekeepers 400 at the Michigan International Speedway. Lead singer for a hard rock band called Grinder, which is perfectly fitting. Darren McCarty, welcome to the podcast. How's it going, buddy? Jimmy, it's great to be with you, man, and I uh, love the passion and uh, that you guys have. It's all about hockey. It goes to show you that it doesn't matter what level you played to. Um, you can still love it your whole life. And uh, I'm here for you to pick my brain. I just uh, warn you that uh, there, there's caution tape all around in there. So uh, as you proceed, uh, at your own risk. Brother, but. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds awesome, man. Uh, I, I think we should just kind of start with like the beginning of your career. Uh, you were... You grew up in Belleville, and I grew up in Leamington. I grew up in Leamington, which is uh, actually give or take about uh, ten minutes for the border at Windsor, Detroit. I could get to Jolo three and then forty minutes. Okay, so, so I mean, I pretty much that's why me. I grew up. Yeah, no, 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 you're hey, bro, but that's you know what? See, you're too young. I mean, it's like you know, you know, you came in, you know, being twenty nine years old or so. You, you guys are just a little bit. I, I will not hold you against it because the hockey really started in Belleville. Okay. I played All right. Junior. All right. So you, you, you played junior for the Belleville Bulls. Um, yeah. uh, the guy I do this podcast with, he's not here tonight, uh, but he actually, I said, Hey, McCarty's on. He's like, I'm, I'm pissed. I have to work. And I was like, do you have any questions for him? And one of the questions he said is you played with Wayne Gretzky's brother in the OHL and you guys lit it up. Uh, he wanted to know what that was like. Did that you think that Wayne's brother was going to make it? And uh, was he like Wayne at all in his game? Absolutely. Um, loved it. Loved uh, loved Brent. Um, you know, it was a, a big reason why I won the OHL Player of the Year my last year, you know, playing on a line um, a lot of the year with him. But uh, we had a lot of fun. I got to spend – actually, the most fun was that summer uh, – before our last year, we got to spend a week out of Wayne Gretzky's house. So, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So that was a lot of fun to see Janet Jones, uh, Janet in real life and, you know, being an 18 year old kid, uh, that was a lot of fun, but he was a 
great player, a lot, a lot similar to his brother. He was, he was a little bit bigger, but he had, you could see, you know, you watch Wayne, the way they skated, the vision, you know, he was smart and, and skilled. And um, it, it was one of those things that he probably had a better chance in today's game to make it than he did then because his size was more of an issue. And he had a long uh, career in the minors. He's actually a, uh, I run into him with the NHL alumni every now and then, but he's a uh, OPP, which is Ontario Provincial Police. Uh, it's like a state cop in Canada. So uh, he's been doing that for, geez, 20 years now. So, um, you know, it's always great to run into him. But, uh, yeah, it, um, so the connection to the Gretzky's goes way back. That I mean, that's unreal, man. And like you mentioned, your OHL player of the year, uh, you ended up getting drafted 46th overall to the Detroit Reds in the 92 draft. I mean, at what point in your life did you, were you like, you want to know what, man? Like, I'm going to be in the NHL. And and when you got to that moment, like, what was that like? Was it was yeah. it more or less like, oh man, like this is really cool, or was it like, okay, time to get to work? You know, if I can remember, it was just one of those things that I knew. See, I was taught by the the biggest influence for me. Hockey wise was when I went and played when I moved away from home from uh, playing Bantam hockey at 14 to playing junior B in Peterborough. And the coach there, the guy I lived with named Brian Drum, had played in the minors uh, in pro. And and he said, you know, to make it to the next level, you got to do one thing better than 99.9% of the rest of the people playing. And for, for me, he said it's got to be physical hit and fight and whatever like that so it was pretty much the recipe that i used at every level was the simple one that he gave me and this is back you know in the day so this is in the late 80s you know you first year you just establish your physical presence which means fighting and hitting and not worrying about your points but you work your butt off and practice doing all the extra stuff so that you can get better and then that way because back then, it would buy you space, buy you time, then you develop. And then that got me drafted to Belleville in the fourth round. Did the same thing my first year in junior. Just pretty much fought. Had 12 goals. And the next year, still fought and stuff. But I ended up with 30 goals to the last year. I still fought and stuff. But I had so much room. I ended up with 55 goals and 127 points. So, <laughs> and, 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 and then it resets. You get drafted by Detroit. You go to Adirondack where you said you're from Saratoga. So we have that connection. Yeah. Um, I also love horses. So, I mean, I have that connection to Saratoga. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, when somebody said, oh, how beautiful Saratoga is, I was like, oh, really, dude? I only make it to the horse track. But that's another story. <laughs> um, but uh, in Adirondack, the same thing. Played on the toughest, <laughs> toughest team in pro hockey. My year 92-93 you know the likes of Kirk Thompson, Dennis Vial, Jim Cummins, Bob Boogner, Serge Anglehart um you know uh, on those team and I was like the the young pup you know and and that's all I did I had 45 majors that year because I looked at the Red Wings roster and then they had Proby you know and yep. And, yep. and but I saw that he needed help and mm-hmm. you know and I was willing to do it so that's the whole thing you know and if you look at my you look at probably uh, what made me the team is in my uh, the next year when Scotty Bowman's there in, in training camp and exhibition, I had an uh, old school drag out 
Jr. fight with Cam Russell in Chicago Stadium where we fought behind the net. We're starting a scrum, and he said I jumped him, and I said, let's go center ice, and we squared off again, and then I laid him out, and, and <laughs> the guys are going nuts. So that had Scotty Bowman and all his expertise, and God love him. Uh, he uh, figured, ah, I got to take. I got to do so, you know, I got some place this kid's going to help me win. He knew before any of us did as he was putting it together. So, you know, it, it, one of those things, and then it didn't, you know, it, it's, you have this style that you play, you establish yourself, but then you keep working on your skills. And, you know, for me, I had to, you know, I went over, you know, Kay Hall asked me when I was, before I was drafted, what would you do to be Detroit Red Ring? And I said, anything. And, you know, I meant anything in the world. So, mm-hmm. Even, you know, you want to look at, you know, one of the highlights personally is is scoring the cup clinching goal against, uh, we were talking about it earlier, Gary Thorne's call, you know, the, we need him against Philly in game four in 1997 cup finals to bring the cup back for the first time 42 years to Detroit. But that all started in Sweden the two years before I'd spent a month there working on skills and it just so happened that that move was something that it, it was a, like a warm-up move. But it's something that uh, I just, my point is, is that whatever you put in, what have you put in to get out? So it's and hard it, work and it, you never, it's not up to you when it, to pay it. It's not up to you to figure out what work is going to pay off. It's you just put your head down and do it for the right reasons. Your intentions keep them pure for the goal in hand and the big guy work it out for you. And I, I feel like that, that, I mean, that's positive in two. I want to kind of shows your character, right? Like you knew that you needed to do whatever you possibly could to do that. And I'm sure coaches love that. And on top of that, I'm sure your teammates love that because you're going to practice every day. You're working your balls off. You're you're fighting in games. I'm sure teammates, they kind of grow an extra inch or two. And they're like, you want to know what? Like, if this guy's doing I should. I'm sure, like, your presence rubs off on, on many people. You know, and and that it is. There's a, is a lot of time is because the bottom at the end of the day is that they know I had their back. So that So for me, and it's different for as far as you're motivated in different ways. So during the season, I had to be motivated to work, to get in the gym. So what would you do? Follow Eiserman and Draper around. Yep. You know, stuff in the eye. You put yourself in the position where you're, where you're lack. You know, I used to joke around. I go, yeah, Chris Draper's the same way. Is that he's a guy that gets sick if he doesn't work out, you know, where I'm a guy who gets sick when he does. <laughs> you know, like, but but at the end of the day, I'll get the job done. Mm-hmm. So then, as you when you're smarter and you know, see, it's when you know that you're needed and there's a purpose behind it. Like for me, that that you know, then I would always sort of get my act together, you know. And usually it was a personal. Usually for me, it was it was drinking or you know my lifestyle more than it was, you know, my uh, workout. And then like because that way when you when you are prepared, then it's, you know, and, and you win, then it's a lot of things are, I don't want to say accepted, but are overlooked. No, yeah, I get that. And and we'll get more into the NHL in a little bit, but I just kind of wanted to talk to you about the Adirondack Red Wings. You mentioned that I'm from Saratoga. Glens Falls is literally a rock throw away. I was wondering, do you, how do you like Glens Falls, New York? Were there any funny stories? Uh, you got to play with Osgood, Osgood and Kozlov. Like, who was your roommate? I think it was Osgood. Somebody told me that. I'm not sure if that's positive or not. Uh, I got to agree. What yeah. did you think of Glens Falls? Uh, I loved it. You know, I mean, geez, other things to do is drink, play video games, and go to Dangos and uh, Poopies and, uh, you know, go play in the snow. We had the, the thing I loved about that group was they taught you how to be, it was the most fun I had. I think you're being a pro and you're on the bus, but you're, but it's, you know, the, the character of the guys and 
um, you know, we did everything together. So our the fun we do, we we do like stupid stuff, like do uh, you know, dragging behind trucks with uh, sleds and stuff like that. And, <laughs> you know, like like with everybody, with everybody doing it. We you know we and then the weather changed and we golf together. Or we'd have barbecues during the playoffs and everybody would be playing road hockey and you know it'd be goofy. It'd just be. You know, but but beautiful area. You know, you got Saratoga one way, Lake George the other way. Um, you know, like that's uh, you know, for me as far as uh, what the fight of uh, not only toughest team in pro hockey, but that was was a great team to come into because it was the year I came in the year after they won the Calder Cup. Yep. So um it was pretty cool to have the leadership and the guys that were there, and they really took Ozzy and I in. I mean, that's unreal. You mentioned dangos. It's funny. Every, like, big holiday, whether it be Christmas or Thanksgiving, whenever the boys are home, we always go out at night. And last night we were over at dangos. They put one in Saratoga, and we, we had ourselves a little bit of a time. So it's, it's funny that you just mentioned that. All right. If you're ever at the one in Glens Falls, we just check behind the bar and see if I got a tab there. Uh, <laughs> it could be uh... – it could be. Half my paycheck used to go to that spot, but hey, I wouldn't change it. I remember Dangles. That's where, this is how old it is. Uh, it was the Blue Jays. Joe Carter hits a home run. Blue Jays win the World Series against yep. Philly. And uh, we're all Canadian in there, so we're all doing shots on the bar, dancing on the bar and stuff. That's the one singing Oh Canada. That's the one thing I think you're. Remember that's and then you're gonna date me because that was like 25, oh, 25 years ago, twenty six years ago. Yeah, you're just making memories, man. Gosh, you were just coming out of diapers, bro. I know yeah. you were a late, late bloomer. Yeah, well, just a little bit. I missed you by a couple of years. Uh, yeah. So that was a ninety two, ninety three year. You you had a pretty good year. Seventeen goals, nineteen assists, two hundred and seventy eight penalties. Yeah, forty five majors. Oh my Bats god. Capital District uh, like three times that year. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. And then the next year you get called up to Detroit and you walk in this locker room and, and you have like Steve Eisenman's there, Fedorov's there. Like what was going through your mind when you got there? I think you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier that, you know, you had to be there for Probert and you just had to serve a purpose. What, were you intimidated at all when you got to meet these guys? No. Cause what the cool thing was, like I said, growing up so close is that once I was drafted, I got to spend time in the locker room and it was at the time when the Detroit drive was there. So I got to meet, you know, Dave Lewis and, uh, who was this, our assistant coach. And, uh, I got to meet Sergey back then and I knew Proby and see guys coming in and out. So I went over there and we got to work out and sort out. So I ingested myself a little bit in, so I was more familiar. So they knew, we knew each other a little bit and and so it was more of something when you grow up you know with these are your idols you want you you play when you play you want to impress them yeah right so uh, you're out there trying to trying to not only do your thing but you don't want to let these guys down then you get to know them and then you're like realize they're just regular assholes like anybody else and, <laughs> and stuff like that but uh no so it was really cool to have a sort of relationship with a lot of them before going in and I knew exactly, you know, that, you know, to play the style that I played and if it took pressure off Proby and sort of like let, you know, like the Nats, the guys, so he didn't have to fight all the time, the guys would, you know, check him out and stuff like this, um, you know, try to fight him all the time that I could take some of the burden off him. No, yeah, and I'm sure they appreciated the hell out of that. They have this guy 
come in, he's banging bodies. He's one of the boys. And it's, it's cool that you're already familiar too, because I mean, you must've just, I mean, that's a giant like thing off your back, right? Like walking in there and kind of already knowing what's going on compared to walking in there and not really knowing what's going on. Yeah, it is. And, and anytime, and, and because you got to remember, this is a team I grew up with and the, you know, my hometown team. So I was invested already. So, you know, this is a dream come true and I wasn't going to, I was going to do whatever needed to take. I mean, fucking right. <laughs> uh, moving on a little bit. Uh, I want to kind of get into the Claude Lemieux fight, but before we do that, we kind of have to talk about what he did to Chris Draper. Uh, really seriously dirty hit in front of your guys' bench. Uh, I think he broke his orderly. He broke pretty much every bone in his face. Uh, you guys lost the series. Uh, I think it was Dino Cicerelli said he was sick that he had to shake that guy's hand. Uh, and at that point, your record against the Avalanche wasn't where it needed to be. It kind of seemed like the Avs always had, had your number, right? right? So moving on to the next year, we have fight night at the Joe. Uh, this is when I think it was Forsberg was going at Larianov. Am I correct with that? You're correct. Oh, nailed it. Not even looking that up. Okay. Uh, and then it, I think things just happened to fall into place, and that's kind of when the Claude the Mew thing happened. So well, I mean, well, my first question me... – it's going to be 2020. When this happened, did you think that we would be talking about this this many years later? Like, this is just – this is a, a major point in hockey history. No, I don't think you can say that when it happened is, is because it, it the story plays itself out. Like, the picture as you – it's almost like the panoramic vision as you get further away from the story as years go on. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have this sort of aerial view of the whole picture because at the time – and it's like I tell everybody. So here, you know, just to make it quick, you know, we lose, we win the President's Trophy, lose to San Jose, we lose the, in the Stanley Cup Finals in '95 to Jersey, we set the league record 62 wins a year later, and lose to Colorado. We're in Game Six, the last game. Chris Draper, not only the centerman of the grind line, which is the name of our line, um, he's also best friend, right in front of me. Like, literally a foot away, if you see the replay. He gets hit from behind, breaks his orbital, uh, breaks his jaw. We don't know how bad it is. We lose the game or out in the series. Now, find out how bad it is and what makes it worse is Claude Lemieux. Um, because you got to understand things in life and, and sports happen, but you can't lose respect. Claude Lemieux lost respect. And he, he said you never would have heard of Chris Draper, and he's not sorry for what happened. So, that puts a caveat on to oh, yeah. sort of – Right, so that's just that going the on? fire, right? Building the fire. So, yep. but also too is here's the thing, right? Here's the here's the yin and the yang of it all. Because during the, the next season, we hadn't beaten them in the three times we played them up until March 26. So at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, when you have an adversary, whether it's you know it's a, a town that you grow up playing against, and or it's a you know a, a team that you always face in your in your high school you know, football finals that you know it's going to be down to. You could, The only way out is through. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line, we had to win the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that, it, that the, like, the, I had 10 months to think about it. You know, it, it, got, it got nuts that, like, I would drive myself crazy. And I finally said, God, just whatever happens, let me be the messenger. Yeah. You think he listened? <laughs> like, feel, free, feel free to talk to him yourself, dude. I mean, I hogging him. He says, send him people over. That's what I'm saying, because what happened is, like you said, Larry Otto hits Forsberg, and, or Forsberg hits Larry Otto, and Larry Otto, 
and this is Igor Larionov. Look him up. You know, famous. He's the, probably the biggest pacifist next to Gandhi. Right? Never had a fight in his life. He's like yep. all of all of 140 pounds soaking wet if he's five foot seven. Right? But he's had enough and he goes to Forsberg. Now I know Lemieux's on the ice and this is I see the opportunity. Yep. So I go to go get Lemieux, but Adam Foot, his defenseman, sees him. He grabs me. He's really strong. I'm trying to get away. Shanny comes in, Brendan Shanahan, my yep. teammate. Does a great double cross block. Gets me <laughs> loose and I pop up and seen the Russian Five documentary. Um, I know you had Josh Rio, my buddy, the director of it, on last week. Uh, but I implore you because this is where I show you the difference between a, I've never had it explained better the difference between a cold cock and a sucker punch than what that is. I looked and when I popped up and it was like I tell everybody, don't be afraid of what you wish for. Just be ready for it because the opportunity might be very, very small. But I saw that face I'd seen for for years and I um, lambasted him and then I got him down and the goalies are fighting and all this and they were able to smash his face in front of drapes on the boards and blah 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 and anyways the bottom line I got four minutes for roughing and a ten minute misconduct we're down but it doesn't matter unless we win the game we're down 5-3 13 minutes left in the third we end up tying it up and the kicker to it all which I said God hates ugly and karma's a bitch tonight <laughs> that night March 26 97 uh, karma's Bitches, the Carver's name was Darren, you know, and, and I scored the overtime winner. And it was at that moment, right? You asked me to, to answer your question in the roundabout way. It was that moment that anywhere, not on the team, not in the building, not in the state, not in the country, not anywhere Red Wing Nation with the proverbial sigh of relief, it's going to be all right. Yeah. But I don't know what it means. So as it played out, then we win the cup. You know, right after that, I scored that goal. We went back to back. The Vladdy accident happened. So, so do I think we're talking about it because of what happened in the magnitude? Yes, because I think that date as a cornerstone, like you do if you watch any of the History Channel or any of the Discovery Channel or <coughs> things where you're trying to learn about what's happened in the past, it's a great education piece of, you know, where, you know, a certain moment happened and this, this was a moment for all of us and, you know, you see where it's ended up. So... That's, you know, that leads us into now where you look at where the Red Wings are 20 some years later. Well, you have, you know, it's, it's about culturally getting it back. It's mm-hmm. not about fighting. It's not about whatever. It's doing it the right way. And you have Steve Eisman, you know, the guy who's lived it, done it in every way, who I have the utmost confidence in is that because it'll be done the right way. Yeah. When? I don't know. But I'm along for the ride. Absolutely. And and I think there there were two moments during that fight that kind of just stood out to me. One was the location where this happened because it was kind of near your bench. So I'm it was sure right. it I'm was sure. right when I had him down trying. He, he said and he said, Claude, said, quote, I did not turtle. That's the hardest I ever been hit. I was out. And I was like, thank goodness. I can't hit anybody any harder. And, <laughs> yeah. and, but when I looked up right after I tried to drill him and and you know, drill him in the back of the head and try to get him. And I look and I see drapes. And it was like, it was like that you see at church where the, the light from heaven comes down and it sort of shone him. And I went, Oh man, I love Genesis in the Bible. <laughs> eye for an eye, baby. Boom. Yeah. Splat, splatter. So it was poetic, man. Like you can, you can't make things like that you up. You can't like, make that up. If you no. go through the game, a Hollywood Scorsese, Ford Coppola, Tarantino, 
could not have said write a script and make it the greatest and um i'll be unbiased and you don't even have to make me the star but the big <laughs> made me the star so i mean i'll just take it that just shows shows me that there's reasons why i'm still around i guess and and at the same time it was everybody on the ice was going at it like you oh, guys yeah. came together it was like it was almost like a, a, a family affair like <laughs> you had always going at said. it Shanahan yeah. through the block. You had a guy start a fight who you you said's five seven, 140 pounds. It's not even into that. Like it was literally the stars just aligned, and that's what I feel like. That's what you guys needed to get you guys over that hump. It, and you know what? That's where the hindsight, and that's where do you do I think that? Yeah, I see it just like I see the Russian Five documentary movie. Hockey's the subject, but as time goes on, because of the wall, the fall of communism and stuff that it will become a historical piece. It's funny because one of uh, one of the guys that plays in the alumni, they used to play at Michigan State, Ethan Graham, he's a teacher at one of the prep schools, and, and he showed it in the, the electric, elective that he's got um, in a history class because of the fall of the wall of communism. So it's uh, something that it's bigger than, bigger than the game, but that's what the game can do. You mm-hmm. know, they can bring everybody together. So... You know, the fact that we're having this conversation, you know, sometimes you got to remember where you came from and why, you know, why you do why you do the things you do. And and the basis for why we were successful and what helped us get over the hump is because we did it together. That was togetherness. That was the old school family, Hatfields and McCoys. Exactly. And you look, and you look at it when the dust clears, when the dust clears, you know, without them. They made us the best we could be, and we made them the best they could be. Absolutely. And then, and then, they, and then uh, we get bragging rights because we won three and they won two. <laughs> Dallas got their one. So, so before we kind of get in uh, to you guys winning the championship and everything that happened past that, since then, have you like had contact with anybody on the Avalanche? Like, have you talked to Claude Lemieux since there or Adam yeah. Ford, Patrick Watt? Like, are are you? Well, Adam Ford, he he'll growl, and we we we're we're friends, but he, he you know he just. Him and Dino like have a like the like certain people just are the way they are and you have to respect it, you know. Yep. Like so and Patrick Wall, like Foot and Wall, they're 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 still a little better, but like Joe Sackick and Ricci and Claude even Claude, he's the one thing I say is that I don't respect him as a player, but as a man, you know, we've talked, we've done autographs, you know, he signed pictures, he signed turtle on it, you know, he's done things with charity. I, I yeah. like the guy. You know, like I golf with him, I have dinner with him. I, I respect him as a man, you know, but not as a player. Boy, you that know? makes and, me feel way better because I'm a big Rangers fan, and, and his kid is. I, I right, love exactly. Right, love, but, and, and and here's the thing, right? Where you can because and you see where the, there's that line to toe, and I think that you get more of the hybrid where you see the learning of where he you where there's a thing to be a pain in the ass, but you have to have that respect, and when you watch him play. You know, there's guys that'll teeter that line, but there's also guys that you see that are trying to teeter that line as opposed to guys that are, aren't. Yep. And, he, and, and he's one that plays with, you know, like the, you can't just because he's his old man. And he plays hard like his old man. So, so like that. And, and as people, that's, you know, like you call it like you see it, you know, yeah. like and, 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 you know, because you got to, He's one of the Claude Lemieux is one of the greatest playoff performers of all time. You can't take his stats away from him, you mm-hmm. know. But but again, you don't. You can't. I don't care who you are. You can't disrespect another human being like that. 
especially not on my team. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's pretty cool how that went full circle, how you guys kind of well, it's pretty cool, each other as humans, right? Pretty cool I stayed out of jail, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could, could you imagine if that happened in today's game? Oh. Uh, well, Shanny told me in 2013 when he was doing, Brendan Shanahan told me, right? Yes, the same Brendan Shanahan that was that cut me loose, that was in the ordeal <laughs> with me. Yes, he was. He was the pre, he's the president of the player safety now. And as a Rangers fan, you know him because he played for you guys. Yeah. Um. Anyways, this Brendan Shanahan told me at the Outdoor Winter Classic in 2013 when he was doing the disciplinary. Um, I asked. Hey, bro, when I got suspended, he looked at me and says, I couldn't overlook in the knee. I would have given you seven to ten games minimum. Oh I'm doing the math. I'll do oh the math. So that means that I got to pay to play these days. That, Not my uh, game, bro. That, I'd have to pay to play. Yeah, and back then you only got four four and a ten. That's why. Yeah, I'm, more, I'm more pissed I ended up career-wise with 129 fights that I didn't get 130. But but, – but, <laughs> the fact that it was made up because I got the overtime win of that game, and I'm still signing pictures to the day about that event. So absolutely, and we're talking about it. So you know, it's a fair trade-off. You just got to look at the positive. And and you guys ended up winning the cup that year. It was awesome. You guys finally got that weight off your shoulder. The celebrations were unreal. And I talked about this with you before we went on the podcast. I didn't want to ask you anything that would make you uncomfortable, but you guys had to deal with a very very significant tragedy with uh, Vladimir Konstantinov. And the accident there. Um, to tell you the truth, growing up, I remember the fight. I don't. I didn't really remember anything about that until I saw the Russian Five, and mm-hmm. I watched it. And I immediately went on YouTube and I looked up clips of this guy, and he was an absolute fucking nail gun, dude. Just an absolute hammer. He would. He would. And but he played with poise. It wasn't like he was just a wrecking ball. Like he knew how to play the game. Nor but he could play this guy. game. Exactly. He'd be a star in today's game because exactly. of his. Because of his IQ and fearless, dude. Mm-hmm. Fearless. Like he did, didn't care who it was. And he was just coming into his own, like I always said. And so so the biggest thing is is I look at it from the life because you realize that. And, and this is when I go around doing the Darren McCurdy Slaps the Comedy Tour. I travel around Michigan and, and you know, I tell everybody I'm not a comic, I'm not sensitive enough, but I'm an entertainer, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I entertained you in the past, so I'm an entertainer, but going through it, because we win the cup, and, and you know, we get, like you said, the monkey off the back, first time 42 years, all this thing, Stevie's 14th year, all that excitement, you know, 1.4 million, million people the at world. the parade, but top then, of the world. Th- three day, top of the world, three days later, the accident happened, Boom, burst your bubble, you almost lose. Like pr- practically it's like a guy dies. And, yeah. And and teammate and family member and 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 not only that is you know, or masseuse and whatever else. So it put this sad, sick taste like you don't get to celebrate. It's almost mm-hmm. like that dinner's made, it's your birthday, it's your favorite dinner, and maybe you're like a fire chief or something you get called out, you know, you've been looking for it all week and it's right there and you don't have time to eat it, not even take it with you. Something, yeah. you know, to the, to the worst extent. Right. You know, so, so for me, that's why the resilience and to be able to come back the bigger story and to have him on the ice. And even though it's not a hundred percent him, but just to be there with the fellas and, you know, the biggest thing with the Russian five movies, I tell everybody is that at the end of this year, this year, at the premiere, so this was back in April, I believe. His daughter Anastasia 
wheels with me in a wheelchair. And I said, how many times your dad seen this movie? And she says, I don't know. But every time he sees it, he goes in this happy place. Well, they, they got, we, they got licensed. We are the champions from Brian May and queen in the song at the end. And Vladdy sings it at the end. So I like to awesome. let everybody know. It's like, that's like the hug to, you know, that bad situation. Sometimes you can't make it as well as you want, but it can get a little, uh, you know, a little closure on the situation. To me, that's what, uh, Josh Real and uh, Jenny and the whole Russian Five crew has been able to give the world. Oh, man, it, it was awesome. And, like, we talked about how you guys battled against Colorado and kind of came together. The fact that you guys won the Stanley Cup the next year, I mean, after, not only – After losing one of your – Arguably not your friend, top but guy. Like, exactly. A friend and, like, don't forget, the guy's a, an incredible hockey player. It's not like it, – it's, it's wild to me, the resilience that you guys, like, sh- shown through that entire time – uh, what was that like when you guys won that cup and, and Vladdy was on the ice? Like, was that just like a holy shit, like a, another type of poetic moment, right? But it, but that one was more as as exciting, exhilarating, and 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 loud and champagne and and celebrating. The first one was that was just more of relief of mission accomplished. I mean, it would probably be more about the. You know, like when you, you hear stories of people surviving the war and stuff like that, you know, it's like, it's not really the, you know, celebration that's, you know, more of that, you know, we accomplished it. And I think, I think more so like nowadays, it speaks to our, all our relationships, you know, mm-hmm. and I just spent four days in Israel with Josh and the Russian five promoting that uh, with Slava Fetisov and four days with him and I hadn't seen him about three years and it was just like we're back together like it was back in the day Papa Bear and giving me advice and talking you know life and it's just to have these relationships with these people so you know you mentioned um how cool being from Sarasota is to talk to me well I have these relationships of life and my education are through some of the greatest people that played the game of hockey and it's not and 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 as great as they are in hockey, they're better human beings. And that's the that's the, the best example. So it just takes some of us a little bit longer to put it in gear than others. But you keep surrounding yourself with good people, then it'll work out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, family would be the only way I would describe, like, how you guys can. It is. Well, it. that's what it is. And, and it is because you share things that, and it's beyond the blood and you look at it and you speak specifically specifically to the russian five you look left you look right doesn't matter what language what color what race what religion you know you love that person would do anything for that person and that's you know how you win and that's how you win in sports it's how you win in life in turn so you've won the stanley cup four times in terms of what time was your favorite what time would you consider like what one meant the most to you you have kids no Okay, well, then you can't understand this, but it's like having kids. Okay. You can't explain, <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they all have their own storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, they all have their own story to it. They're all, even though a lot of them, you know, I'm most proud. One of the pictures that I have is uh, me, Nick Lynch, from Thomas Holmes, from Chris Draper, and Kirk Ball, because we're the one with the four rings. Yep. Uh, that won all four. So, um, and to be a part of all that, but they all have different you know, storylines, uh, and you can go back to it. And it's all, it's almost like all a different little mission or all a different little, you know, um, episode or season, you know, it's, it's unbelievable when you, tr- you replay it back because there's different reasons, but, 
you know, again, the whole core of it and, you know, a lot of it is, you know, what Scotty Bowman not only taught us, but, you know, taught us how to be professionals, but taught us how to win. If uh, if you guys didn't have Scotty Bowman back then, do you think you guys would have won those Cups? You know, I, I, you can't, you know, I think I would say that the way it would probably won. But it would probably would have been the one in '95, and that's the one we needed to lose. Yep. So, so it would have played out. Definitely would have played out differently. All right. I know we wouldn't. I know we wouldn't have won more. <laughs> All right. Uh, and okay. So now moving on. 2002. Uh, you guys win again. I thought this was really cool. You scored your first hat trick in Game One of the Western Conference Finals against uh, who else? Colorado Avalanche's Patrick Waugh. You end up scoring four goals in that series. You won the series, third cup in six years. Uh, I mean, how cool is that score hat trick on Patrick Law after all the history between the teams? Oh, it was awesome. You know, not only do that, but the story behind that is the game one was May 18th. And uh, my son Griffin's birthday is May 20th. was on Monday. The first game was on a Saturday. Yep. And we're playing in these five. He's turning six Monday. We're playing many sticks in the basement. Said to him, I said, hey, bud, birthday's Monday. What do you want for your birthday? He looks at me, he says, score me a goal, Dad. And I look, I look at him, I quick, I'm thinking, dude, I got seven goals all year. I said, this is the first <laughs> game of the conference finals. I said, we're playing Colorado. What is wrong with this kid? And then I saw so I go into dad mode. And dad mode is, whoa, 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 buckaroo. We ain't about the number and name on the back. We're about the crest on the front. What if I go to Ozzy and I go to, to Sergey and I go to Shannon and I say, hey, Griff's birthday's Monday. Let's get a win for Griff. He looks at me and he goes, Stevie would have said yes. <laughs> oh, no way. So, well, but yeah. So, bottom line, I got a hat trick. And the greatest part was when you come off for being the stars or whatever like this. And you do the little circle at the end. Yeah. And you come off. And because our you know, team was so tight and stuff. So, Griffin's waiting for me outside the room as I come down. And I look at him and I... And he looks at me and he's smiling. I go, sorry, dude, I didn't get you one. I got you three. He goes, oh, that's all right. Love you. And I go, yeah, Stevie would only got you one. I said, don't, I, don't ever ask me to do that ever again. So, so again, that that's the story that I oh, tell man, on that cool one. Cool moment that you that you shared with your son there. That that's a that's a last forever kind. Of, that's cool, man. Yeah, and then that year too, we were just talking about it. Somebody was talking about it earlier about. Um, the pitcher that I love is when he was six because of him on my shoulders. Uh, there's a cup pitcher. Oh, I do have a cigar in my mouth. Uh, with him <laughs> on my shoulders, he was like six because when we won it in 08, he was 12, but he was about 150 pounds and about five foot ten. I said, it ain't getting on my shoulders this year, bud. <laughs> the, old man, the old man will fall apart right here on the ice. <laughs> that's incredible man uh <laughs> the next year so i tried doing some research on this i kind of find it you won the nhl foundation player of the year uh can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah well i started after we won in uh 97 i had the opportunity to start a foundation my dad had been diagnosed in january of 96 with multiple bioloma which is a form of leukemia so cancer, blood cancer. And back then they didn't have much knowledge of it. You know, my parents had to search everywhere and there was nowhere to go. So 
I had an opportunity to set up a fat McCarty Cancer Foundation, um, which between 97 and 05, I think we co-funded uh, over $6 million for the research. Oh, okay. So they gave my dad a year to live. He lived three. Um, there's actually somebody that has had this since he's had it and before that is still alive and they give people 30, 40 years now. So we've had a hand in that. So to, you know, one of the, our whole thing was we're not, and this is my dad saying is that we're not going to save him, but we're going to save somebody's dad someday. So, um, you know, that was just, you know, because it was the right thing to do. And that's, you know, now I don't, now I, I, people say, well, what charity do you help? Like I try to help. I got so many that I try to help, but, you know, because people have been so generous with mine in the past and, you know, it's nice to be recognized, you know, by the league, especially early on. I think that was one of the first ones I gave out. So it's always, but, 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 but again, that's just my name, you know, you know, and and you know, my idea was my mom and my dad and, and Patty Vincent and, and, you know, the people behind the scenes that really deserve all the hard work and stuff. You know, so, that's incredible. I, I lost my old man in April. Uh, it's been really rough, and I'm, I can't start a foundation, but w- what we're doing is this year, later in March, for the midgets who are like 16 to 18 playing youth hockey, they're probably not going to end up playing college hockey. What we're going to do is we're throwing a tournament, and it's going to be giving back to the parents. So, like, the parents don't have to do penalty box. They don't have to do, like, the snack bar. They can just sit back, relax. We're going to do like a skills competition where if a kid wins a skill, they get something for their parents, not just for them. Because I think the oh, biggest cool. thing is like, I mean, after I got done playing hockey, that's kind of when it hit you that your parents did all these things for you. You know what I mean? And it, it sucks that it has to wait until after hockey. So I'm trying to, we're going to be doing this every year. And I think it, it, I think it'll mean something to the kids. I think it'll open their eyes a little bit, but also it's nice to get back to the parents. So, uh, I mean, that, that's incredible. That's, that's really cool. Did, how much did that award mean to you, man? I can't even imagine. Well, it just for the recognition, like I said, for the hard work, it's not, it's, it, to me, it just means that people see it, yep. you know, and people are aware of it and it's not about, you know, me doing anything other than, you know, the right thing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, reach out, uh, you got Nick's contact, so reach out, we'll definitely donate something, maybe it's a prize pack or something that we can help you guys oh, out man, that'd be that, awesome. but. I yeah, appreciate for sure. that. That'd be cool. For sure. That's whatever. Really... Yeah. Um, that's that's what we do in the hot community. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We're all beauties, right? Uh, uh oh, dude. You gotta love that show, dude. And, yeah. and uh Letter Kenny. Oh yeah. That show's unbelievable. Uh I didn't write this down in the notes, but just briefly let's talk about it. So after eleven seasons with the wings, you left and you went to Calgary. Uh yeah. Was that bittersweet? Was that just, did you think that you were going to be a Red Wing your entire career? I did, but you know, I, and, and all, you know, when you, you got to look at self-awareness and, you know, I, uh, hockey started, I had other interests, obviously the band and, you know, it, and at the time when the lockout came and, and, you know, was making two and a half million and you got to cut payroll by, 30 million well that's an easy mark off i was fortunate enough to that calgary call because i i'm a huge daryl sutter fan um and he was coaching so he convinced me to come there and i had a riot there dude i'll tell you jerome mcginn was one of the greatest you know when you, when your kid tells you that you know you know jerome mcginn is one of his favorite player you're proud that you raised your kid right he's just he's like uh 
He's like, uh, let's see. He's more of like, uh, how do I say this nicely? He's more like the Incredible Hulk version of Steve Eiserman's Captain America. Okay. You know, like, like he, like he's got. Put it this way: we had to, we had to ban UFC watching UFC because he, you know, halfway through watching it, he'd be him and Chucky Kovacu. He'd be trying to put him in a figure four leg lock. <laughs> it was everything's a competition, but I love, love those guys. Did you, was, uh, uh, when you were in Calgary, did you ever get a chance to go to the Calgary Stampede? You know what? I got. I was there for a day, but. Uh, um yeah just i know all the stories and 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 i know all the people that, that were involved in the carnage so oh yeah uh it's yeah, that's a, that's because West. i'd love to head out there rodeo country music festival sounds perfect oh it does and, and it's unbelievable like those chuck wagon races like that that they do like the calcuttas or like they they auction them off they go for like thousands and thousands of dollars to watch these guys race and and do this it's like it, it's huge out there i didn't even realize oh yeah oh yeah and and I, I i have to mention this too you scored an overtime winning goal in game one for the flames and uh against the mighty ducks are you are you just mr oh overtime? man <laughs> Is that no, no, no i i remember you know the thing that's like like if you look i think i had i think i had five points in that series three goals but the thing that sucks is anaheim won the cup that year mm-hmm. we were up three games to two we lost game six there and game seven at home like two nothing and we had we got by Anaheim in Calgary, dude. I I we had a team that could go there, that, that could make that. I thought we could win. I thought we were. It was right down to it, and just couldn't. Unfortunately, wasn't meant to be. I've lost some uh, tough uh, game sevens. Yeah, but you've also you've also won some cups. So a little, little bit. Yeah, you know that that's the whole thing is what's what's that. <laughs> No matter how many times you fall down, you got to get back up and oh, yeah. some of the greatest learn learn from the lessons. All right, that's what Scotty Scotty Bowman's things were the you know take care of little things, big things take care of itself. And you know if you make it's okay to make a mistake, just don't make the same one again. Exactly. Uh, after the Flames, move on to the Generals for a little bit. Then you would go to the uh, Grand Rapids Griffins and you return to the Red Wings where you would win another cup. That's four. Um, in terms of storylines, your last cup, is there one that people might not know about? Or, like, what, what sticks out to you the most with the last one? I just think that, you know, as always, I used to joke with Kenny Holland, hey, bro, you haven't won a cup and you know without me in the lineup you know, <laughs> since, since 55, right? So, um, no, it was just something that where I was at in my life and, you know, um, I knew that there was something left, and it was more in the room and stuff. So the the fact that I was able to prove it to that there's something that I could add, Mike Babcock added me to the roster. But between Franz and getting hurt and Holmes from getting hurt, I ended up playing 17 out of 21 games and actually scored a playoff goal and, you know, felt uh, part of it. So it was it, – for me, it was a great – you know, one of those things that I was always told, do everything to the best of your ability, don't do it at all. And I, I was like, to me, it was the greatest way to, to come back. And especially with the guys that I did it with, with Nick and Ozzy again and Maltz and Homer. And, um, you know, Dally Drake came back. I played with him my first year when he was with the Wings. Um, you know, to, to, to do it with the, the guys that we did it with, it was it was awesome. I mean, that's four cups on the resume. Boom. Thank you very much. And then 
On December 7, 2009, you officially retired. You had already accepted a job as a color analyst for Versus. A couple questions about that. Like, first off, what was that like? What was the skill set that you needed for that? Like, the the preparation beforehand, was it a cool new challenge? Is that something that you saw yourself doing for a long period of time? Like, what was it like doing the analyst thing? It was, you know, it was cool. It was fun. I think that, you know, I definitely uh, look at the where I was at in my life, um, which you know is a is a nice way of saying that I was in the throes of my addiction then. So so I can't really like you know it was great for what it was at. I think if I did it again, you know, there'd be a different tack to it. But it's just talking hockey. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's not rocket science. You know, it's if you pay attention. No, I mean, it's pay attention. And again, you know, the, the one thing is, is that I can, can analyze this game for what this game is, you know, but it's not my game. And it's not, you know, I'd have different ideas how to build build a team and do different things and what's important. And a lot of it is more character. And, you know, the, the biggest issue I have with the game is there's no individuals it's all robots you know there's yeah. no creativity it's all just this and they the rules are made to be that way now that adds to the parody it makes everything close and everything right down to the last week of the year but you know i mean that's a different game you know and that's that that's just you know me being the way that I, i'm entitled to my opinion and the way that i was raised so it's yep. not my game and that's cool so yeah. I'm not going to watch it or analyze it like my game. But, you know, I take it or leave it. And, and I'm more interested in because culturally getting it right here in Detroit. My interest is watching. I watch, I watch more hockey now, more Red Wing hockey now because of different things I'm looking for. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's, you know, I can't, sometimes you can't explain it, but maybe it has something to do with having the cups that I do. Uh, and the lessons it, that I was learned from Scotty Bowman and the great players I played with. In, ter- in terms of the Red Wings now, I mean, they have some pretty good names. They have Dylan Larkin. I like that Anthony Manta kid a lot. Uh, I, love, I, love, I love that kid, dude. Who, who, is he the guy that kind of sticks out for you? Because that Manta kid, he he's tough, man. And he's he's a hard, hard body. Well, he has power forward. Yeah, and he just runs into some, you know, breaking his hand or he just got dumped on his shoulder. I mean, I know those things, like, can't happen but he he plays hard and he cares and it's it's one of those things that you know when you have that touch he's like a combination of like a Franzen and a Shanahan but he's got the edge you always wish Franzen had yeah but he didn't but they, they got good young guys it's trying to figure out I think that you know when when here's the thing is what'll pique my interest is is when you get that solid like they've they've found something in Heronic as a three or four guy, I believe, mm-hmm. maybe a two guy. But when they get that top D or the top goalie, the guy that when they put a guy in that, that you say, and it's not sort of like Jimmy Howard, sort of like Matt Stafford. Yeah, he's good enough to get it there, but without That's everything right. Yeah. Without everything right, and it's nothing against the guy or, or anything, but he's not going to. You know, like that's like Dominic Hasek, and that that was the argument with Ozzy. But then Ozzy, when he needed to, would do it, and they do an old school Grant Fear style <laughs> a game that he'd win at five four, and then people would be critiquing because it, it wasn't a shutout because Hasek would shut him out like he did in two thousand two in Game Six and Seven against Colorado, 
right? But the guys yep. do it differently. But at the end of the day, it's about the W. So exactly. So well, it's 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 a lot of time. It's what you want, but you know. So so to me, that's when I, because I see Stevie making moves, and I see him like shuffling the deck, and like it's either he realizes that he doesn't have what he thought, or he's realizing that he's gonna move this and that, but. You know, he's thinking, and he's got the guy, dude, he's got Steve Eisman, he's got Chris Draper as the director of amateur scouting. So, I don't know two guys that care, love hockey more than those guys, except maybe Chelly back in the day, but. <laughs> yeah, and I think <clears throat> team going through a full rebuild, there needs to be some years where you aren't that good, because you need to get those high draft picks, you need to get those guys that you can kind of build a team around, and I mean, Having Steve Eiserman there, in terms of people wanting to sign with the Red Wings, I mean, there, I, I, there's not many players, I think, that wouldn't want to go. The original six team, you have Stevie Eiserman there. He, look what he did with Tampa. Uh, I think times right now might not be good for the Red Wings, but I definitely want to count them out four or five years from now. I bet it's going to be a completely different team. Well, here's the thing, right? You just said it yourself. I mean, I'm not selling you on just him not only being drafted here as an 18-year-old, growing up here, being the youngest captain, waiting 14 years, having to change his game, having to realize how to play politics in order to lead in the best of the ability, having to be the captain through probably the United Nations of hockey at the time mm-hmm. when it wasn't done, but it has to lead the way in accepting or how it's going to be done because when guys look up to that – let alone winning what he did, let alone going to the front office, let alone, you mentioned, going off on somebody else's dime and creating, I don't know, I think we can agree, and any hockey fan I would think could agree that Tampa didn't lose because of Steve Eisenman. I think he put them in a very great position. Year after year. That. Year, year after, after year, right? So, trade deadline, so, he would do. So, yeah. So I don't know, but the track record of if you're showing me the evidence, well, he's got the track record, let alone take away that he's Steve Eisman, the player. If you give any, you give me his track record and you show me an anonymous name and that's what he's done the last seven years and you need it. And you, and then you go, oh yeah, I'd hire him. And you go, well, you got him. Oh, he's this guy. Oh yeah. Oh, by okay. the way, Steve Eisman. <laughs> so the, the, the good thing is it, with the Red Wing Nation and then Stevie knows it. Um, you know, it, it, there's patience now, but it's like anything else. Everybody wants something sooner than later. So I, I would have thought, in, you know, this year would have been a stretch for playoffs. Next year, hopefully they compete. But by three years, you would know where you were going. And that would put us in like 93, 94, you know, like having an opportunity. Because at the end of the day, what can you hope for? What do you hope for for your Rangers? that they compete for the conference finals every year, that they're one of the two teams that they're right now that they're playing Boston every year or whatever else, whoever it is, but they're, they're playing in the conference finals because you can't predict the bounce and this and that and whatever, but you want that team that can they go back every year. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's different ways to do it and that's what everybody's trying to find. And I think that what, you know, it's more important that you're aware of what you have. So what you have to do moving forward. And I think that's where Stevie is, is that he knows the, you know, the, the plan of the, where he wants the ship to go. Yeah. I, I definitely want to bet, bet against that guy. Uh, we're going to move on. 
you wrote a book, My Last Fight Chronicles Your Triumphs on the Ice and Your Failures Off the Ice. Before I ask you what the book's about, how hard is it to write a book, man? Because I do blogs, and after I write a blog, I need to take a nap. I'm so tired. I can't even imagine what it's like to write an entire book. Well, I'll tell you this. I was so blessed because Kevin Allen, who's my ghost writer, um, who's the senior hockey writer for the USA Today, um, who's been a around uh, the the team doing different things over the years, but I built a friendship and we're exactly two different people opposite ends, but to be able to be honest with him, um, I've lived from, let's see, 2012 parts of that till last, till 2018, December in Florida. And I'm back and forth at different points, but I wrote my book down there because I needed to get away and I was trying to get sober, but it helped me. And, and I wouldn't be able to type it out, write it like that. So the best part is, is with Kevin and, and knowing me is that when you read the book, you hear my voice. I mean, yep. it's verbatim and, he's, and the way that he wrote it. So it was our relationship and the trust that he knew the message that I wanted to, to say so the process was very therapeutic so between him and my wife uh who helped me through helped me through it and it's more of you know to get the honesty and stuff like that to to really get the message that i want that uh you know it's called my last fight true story of a hockey rock star you know uh fighting the addictions but it's it's you know at the end of the day is that don't lie to that person in the mirror and if you want to change, you can, and you surround yourself, but with people that are that pure intentions that are trying to go in the same direction you are, then, you know, every anything's possible. So, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's not easy, but it can be done. Yeah, no, and I think I think surrounding yourself with people who who get you as a human and understand what you're trying to do, and with but, pure intentions would help you. Out. I mean, that just goes the longest way, right? But until you realize who you are, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. I knew all my life what I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to be a hockey player and what I was going to accomplish and everything goes super fast. You know, it's like it's like the windows, you know, in the vehicle, you're going 100 miles down the road. You don't, you can't see anything. So nowadays I realize it's not so much what I want because I'll figure that out. It's what I don't want. Mm -hmm. And then when you, then the biggest thing is that you can surround yourself um, with those people once you look yourself in the mirror and are totally honest and don't lie to that person to who you are. Mm -hmm. So until you do that, until you can have those conversations with the guy in the mirror, and, and trust me, my point, this is my breaking point, is when I finally stopped, I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm not going to talk to you right now. And he looked at, back at me and said, I hope you're alive when you come back. And I was like, wow dude did you just and and so like then slowly but surely and it was like who do you who am i you know what can i do and what do i have to do to change it and then and then you can work for yourself but you gotta work you gotta work yourself first and then then you can work on people outside yourself yeah no i, I couldn't have said it better i, I it's it's amazing how far you've come <laughs> like, like if you really absolutely look at it, right? like it, did you reflect on that daily like do you wake up and you're like shit man like i'm i'm happy with what's happening right now like uh, how I often do you reflect on that 
I think I have to whenever uh, that's when I get into, you know, like anybody else into, into uh, pity, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you go into gratitude or, you know, and I know it's sometimes, it, you know, to, to me, the biggest thing is that I don't need the answers. I just have to be aware of, oh, okay, this is going on. And when I'm aware, it usually plays out. Um, you know, it, it's something that, it's something that, yeah, I, I, have to remind myself to gratitude because sometimes I get pissy and and things don't go my way and life happens just like anybody else but it's more or less how I deal with it and then how I look at it and I guess I just take a little bit more time to process it and look at what my part is and realize man I've done everything I can do but why am I going to worry about this because it's not going to change and that's you know, one of those things. It's not easy, but you know, it's something that that has to be practiced. But if you can get it, um, it's a great uh, freedom. Absolutely, and again, that that is called my last fight. The true story of a hockey rock star, unreal title. Uh, check that out. Now you're you're a podcaster, grind time with Darren McCarty. You host your own podcast uh, to continue sharing your truth. I thought this is funny. Bottom line: books take too long to write. But yeah, uh, you've had Larry Murphy, uh, Draper on, TJ Lang. For somebody who hasn't listened to the podcast, what can they expect from listening to it? Well, it's it's pretty much my truth. I signed my book, Enjoy My Truth. I got a graphic novel that is based off of the the book. Uh, coming out called Life's the Grind, Enjoy My Truth, you know, with a whole bunch of 150 pictures in it, you know, done by Mess Bucket Comics and a lot of the great artists around. Um, but uh, the grind time of Darren McCarty, pretty much it's about embracing change, um, you know, having conversations about things that I like, people that I'm involved with. Um, you know, it's it's not people say it was about hockey and I said, well, is hockey relevant at that point? And then we'll talk about hockey, but it's pretty much about life and, you know, the musical guests and people that I know and, you know, famous people, I guess, but just, it's just a show, you know, my perspective and it's, you know, it's about positive and it's about to let people know that, Hey, um, if you got questions, what do you mean by that? I'll sit there and answer them all day. I'm not here to argue, argue. You want to argue? Google me. Google me. So when I punch you in the face and you go, well, why do you do that? You no, know, you know. Like, I mean, because you don't get along with me. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Right? Or And it's not, here's the thing. I'm not telling you not to do what you're doing. If you're not doing what I'm doing, just don't do your stuff around me. Yeah. It's easy. It's yeah. easy. It's right? And then the right? ones, right, and the ones that want to say, what do you mean by that? Then we'll have their conversation. So, you know, it's 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 pretty much life and we'll see what's going on. And, um, you know, I encourage everybody to check out because uh, we're relaunching on a new uh, NRM streamcast format. And, you know, I've been having a lot of fun through the month of uh, December going on all their different shows and, uh, you know, promoting promoting mine. But, uh, you know, the, the best part is why, you know, I went over there is, is because, uh it's a family and it's you know all about everybody you know pushing towards the goal and what's the goal it's just to reach as many people that what do you mean by that's out there so it's the same thing is that people that want to have conversations to be able to reach out and meet other people just like what you guys are doing so 
it's a great it's a great thing it's it's almost you know I, i'm about everybody everybody you know coming together and realizing uh that we're more alike than we are different yeah no and that and that's cool that it's not just hockey either like i'm sure there's just probably some electric conversations there especially having you <laughs> be the guy there oh, right? absolutely, Don't doubt it. Dude. yeah oh yeah there's so no, if you guys no get a chance to check that out grind time with darren mccarty i mean duh just listen to it um, and then the last thing I just wanted to talk to you about, I found this interesting. You're a proponent for the legalization of cannabis. Uh, you've credited it, cannabis with helping you overcome your alcohol addiction. Um, this is a, a topic that's like really come full circle, I would say, in the last like four or five years, maybe even two, three. Uh, what can you tell us about this? Like, how did it help you? How long have you done it for? When did you realize that this is that this can help you get to where you need to be? You know, I grew up where it was, and I was friends with him, but it was either your stoner or your a jock. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, was never anything else. But, you know, since I was 12 years old, you know, drinking was cool. And, you know, it was more of a, it goes with, you know, after the game, you're in the dressing room, stuff like that. And not, you know, blame it on that. But after I had my first sport hernia surgery and, and the pills just don't do it for the pain that I finally smoked weed for the first time and, it was just like I could sleep. So I come from insomnia. So I was always like, why could, why do I feel great? Why could I sleep? Why do I not want to have to drink or whatever like this? So I had this battle for the next 10 years and in and out of rehab. And I know there's a difference and stuff, but after I retire, it doesn't matter. Um, Cause I'm in such throes that I'm on, that it gets to a point that I can, my blood pressure was 240 over 160. And the doctor said the reason I didn't stroke out because how much uh, cannabis I had in my system. It, it regulated it regulated me. So my caregiver oh, at my caregiver at the time said that's enough, and they uh, they did a uh, they did RSO, which is Rick Simpson oil, which is the concentrate where they take the plant. And it's most concentrated form, and it pretty much shuts your body down. They did eight days of every waking hour, and it got the physical addiction away from me. I was I was ment- I was spiritually and mentally ready. It took me eight months to be able to get through it. And when I came out about eight days, it was pretty much like like a coma, not a, a coma, but like you know a detox and stuff. Yeah. That I was free of the physical addiction. I was like, oh my god what and i gotta get educated now and why is this and then i become educated and i realized what an endocannabinoid system and then they explained to me that oh your system yeah your body wants this plant and then then i look into it and then i i find a cure for my insomnia and then i find boom and then boom next thing you know um because look pictures of me and then i start going i've lost 70 pounds you know i'm back to i'm back to fighting weight you know, I'm, I'm back in better shape than probably I was when at the end of my playing career. Mm-hmm. But there's something to do with with allowing my body to to help itself. You know, not only pain, but to get educated on it. So if I'm going to talk about, it, I'm going to get educated on it. So exactly, not only being an advocate, but I but I have a, a pin canner, which is a company um, here in Michigan because it's legal here. We're the largest seed to sell. So they've purchased the Darren McCarty brand. Um, which will have uh, four to six different, you know, flour to edibles to CBD 
And, you know, the big thing with me is let's have a conversation because it's the education and the yeah. fact that we are where we're at, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and be one, well, you know, to argue about the opioids because look, look at where the testing is and look where everything else is. You wait till June when the NHLPA comes out in front of a two-year, $40 million Canopy Canada study to say, here, boom, this is why, you know, this is why it's needed. Mm -hmm. why it should be allowed um there's a reason baseball just allowed it in their uh in their testing so it's coming because it's right and you know sometimes it takes 100 years to right or wrong but it's true it's through the education and 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 why is it so apparent now and why everywhere is it changing because it's not the people that use it and it's not for that it's the it's your loved ones that don't that see the change especially in the addicts especially in the it's it's their loved ones that they see that their lives come back and how it all this mumbo jumbo garbage is just you know you've been lied to so i learned a long time ago don't believe everything you read so that's why i'm not that's why i'm illiterate yeah but you want to know what i respect that because instead of just doing it to do it like you went out and you researched it and now if you have a conversation with somebody and they're like oh prove it like you know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> yeah that's, and do that right. you know what i mean and i think that's that show again. You're just. If I had to describe you in one word, it's just character, man. Like you, you oh, I appreciate things, it. You get through things. You take responsibility. You respect yep. others. Like that's that's character. In well, the I appreciate it. And then one of the new. So with this and being moving to NRM Streamcast, uh, probably beginning of February, um, I'm I'm launching the Sophisticated Stoner podcast. Um, it's not about the plan. It's about the people. And it's not about smoking and stuff. It's about education. How do you talk to, how do you have the tough conversations with, you know, the, your kids or things like that? Let's face, because this is the way of the future. So let's arm people with the knowledge and education that want to know to go to. So I'm, I'm all about it because it's the truth. And I, I, I like that. I'm, I'm flattered, but uh, I'm, I'm proud that character. I'll take it. Awesome, man. That's my great. wife. You, my wife uses a different one. I'm gonna tell her you said character. <laughs> I got you, back. Don't worry about that. Um, but Darren, thanks for coming on, man. Like the day no. after Christmas, this is just. I mean, I I can't believe that I just got to talk to the legend Darren Darren McCarty like that. That was uh, really cool and taking time, and I just really really appreciate it, guys. And if you get a chance, check out the book My Last Fight. Check out Grind Time with Darren McCarty. Uh, I'm sure everybody around our area is going to be listening to this podcast. They can't wait to hear what you have to say. So I just want to say thank you for uh, joining us, man. And uh, hopefully we'll be in touch. Yeah, please do, Jimmy. Uh, you betcha. And uh, keep hey, keep doing what you're doing, guys. You know, here before I let you go, I got I got to fill you in. So when I was in high school, I had a bunch of guys that that I went to high school with in Belleville, where I played junior, and how we would study in history is we'd watch the fights. And everybody, every fighter had a nickname. And uh, we, I just remembered that we passed uh, the Greece part of history because we used Shane Sparta Churla to remember the Spartans. So <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing what you guys were doing before, but it's great to see that you guys are sticking together. It just goes to show you love of the game. It doesn't, doesn't matter what level you played, if you played it at all, that uh, love of hockey is great. Absolutely, man. Hey, you have an awesome holiday. And just thanks. Thanks for being you. Thanks for taking time. And we'll, we'll talk to you shortly, man. Yeah, we'll talk down the road. Awesome. Thanks, Cardi. All right, later.
Later.